I'm glad to see y'all this morning. I'm glad to see this part of your faces. I'm glad we're inside this morning. It's good to see you. My name is Reed, and I am uh, thankful for the opportunity. I appreciate Steve and Matthew and the session giving me another opportunity to uh, preach and join in this series. We're doing a series, um, as many of you know, through the Psalms right now. I was about to say this semester, but we don't work that way in the church, do we? So we're doing a series in the Psalms in the life of the church right now, um, not just this semester, but uh, we're calling it Forever Faithfulness, and I've really enjoyed hearing from various preachers over the last several weeks, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 46 this morning, which we have, our worship has already been saturated in the Psalm this morning already. It's been um, really great, but we're going to focus on God and the unexpected. God and the unexpected is where we're going with this, Uh, which makes me think about last time I preached, which was the Sunday before uh, Christmas when something unexpected happened during the message. You may have been there. We had the Advent wreath. We were outside. It was windy. The Advent wreath caught on fire during my message twice. I, I've, I've earned a nickname from at least one of you. I've really enjoyed it, Brushfire Jones. I haven't had a lot of good nicknames, but I, I've appreciated that one. Uh, we're, what we're thinking about this morning is how God is always at work, even when the unexpected happens. Obviously, we're talking about uh, far more serious things than just a, a wreath brush fire. But what I want us to think about this morning and, and hear from the Lord is how He is with us in the unexpected. He is at work in the unexpected and how he invites us to to do the unexpected. Now, this may be for you something that, uh, you know, unexpected in the way that you're going through your day and everything's just sort of going right for you. And then all of a sudden that thing happens and it derails your whole day or your whole week. It may be something like that. It may be something far more serious when you get that phone call, the unexpected phone call with the bad news. That's sort of the, the crisis in which we find ourselves in this psalm this morning. And we need to be reminded that God really is at work in the unexpected and He is with us. So let me read for us Psalm 46, and then we will jump in. Psalm 46 says, To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord. How He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob 
is our fortress. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but these are the words of the Lord, and they will stand forever. Would you pray with me? God, I do ask that you would be our refuge and our strength this morning. That you, Holy Spirit, would be our teacher. God, I don't know what's going on in the lives of everyone in this room. Sometimes I feel like I barely know what's going on in my own life and heart. But you know. You know us well. You know the situations and the troubles in which we find ourselves. And you know where we run. Lord, would you help us to see that you are with us. That you are at work. Invite us into stillness underneath your word this morning. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts uh, together will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. With some psalms, you know what's going on. We get a situation explained to us of of what the context is, but with Psalm 46, we're not really told uh, what's going on in the psalm, but what what we do know is that things are not great. Uh, There is a lot of trouble, as the psalmist says in verse 1. It's a time of trouble. The imagery, you may have felt this as we read it, is, is really dramatic, very dramatic. The earth giving way. The mountains moving into the sea, trembling, nations raging, kingdoms tottering, desolations and wars. There is tumult and upheaval and unrest. Things are not great for Israel at this particular time. The inscription there at the beginning tells us that this is for the choir master of the sons of Korah. I think that's just a helpful thing to to note for a moment because God wants us to sing our trouble to him. Um, As you know, the Psalms are God's hymn book for his people, and this was one that was written to be sung. The turmoil and the upheaval and the unrest, God says, sing it to me, bring it to me. And actually, there are a lot of songs, a lot of modern songs uh, based on Psalm 46. We just heard one uh, this morning written by Jenny and Tyler. Uh, There's so many others. I listened to a lot of them this morning, actually. I can make you a Spotify playlist if you would like. There's a Shane and Shane one, a Bifrost Arts one, the Corner Room, Jenny and Tyler. All these Psalm 46 songs, because this is a great song to sing. It's a great song to connect with our hearts. Even though we don't know exactly what's going on with them, here's what we do know. God is with his people in the middle of whatever it is that's going on. He is with his people in this unexpected crisis. That's a refrain repeated throughout the psalm. Look at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Verse 5 says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. 7 and 11 say the same thing. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is promising that no matter where his people find themselves, they might find him there with them. God's favorite preposition is with. It's the regular refrain throughout Scripture. I am with you. Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us. He is for us a refuge and strength. The the imagery there, I think, is just so simple, but it's worth pausing on. The idea of a refuge and a fortress, this brings to mind something strong and sturdy that we could climb up in the unexpected 
uh, as the unexpected waters rise, or a shelter that you can stand under as the rain unexpectedly you know, thunders down. We've experienced some of that recently with those huge heavy rainfalls, just finding a shelter to, to stand under, to be protected. That's what God's saying that He is for His people. We can go to Him, stand in Him, cling to Him. When everything else around us is crashing, He will not fall. When everything around us may feel constantly changing, He will not move. When everything around us feels insecure or we feel deeply insecure, He is secure. He's our fortress. And so I don't know what uh, your unexpected is this morning. Steve talked about we have much to lament and we have much to celebrate at the same time. And, you know, this has very much been a year to lament. And I don't know where you are this morning and what what is on your minds. But um, I, I will just say for a minute, I remember it was just a year ago, almost to the day, a year ago yesterday, um, that our staff, our RUF staff team, had a prayer morning, and we were uh, to meditate on Psalm 46. And I, I had it written down what day it was. It was February 13th, 2020. And what I remember is going into this prayer morning and reading through this psalm over and over again and sort of taking note of what's going on. And I just, here's what I remember thinking. Poor Israel. Like, too bad for them. Things are not going well. Um, kingdoms tottering, nations raging. Uh, man, I'm glad things are going okay in my life. I, I literally remember thinking that, that what would it be like to trust God when the world's falling apart? And then you fast forward 30 days, almost to the day from then, and everything felt like it began to change in just a moment. And here we are a year later. And for, for many of us, we feel like um, things haven't gotten better in some ways. Maybe in some ways they have, but maybe that's your unexpected. It's just that we're still in it. Maybe that's what you feel this morning. You just want things to be normal. Um, I'm glad to be in this room, and, and, and Dr. Mays mentioned this a few weeks ago. Uh, I have loved seeing you all this morning and uh, singing with you this morning. And being in this room feels almost like it used to but it doesn't quite feel like it used to, right? Things aren't the same as whatever they were in all these different contexts. And, and even for me in ministry, you know, trying to do, to do ministry in this moment, it, it's a privilege. But I've told a friend this week that doing ministry right now feels like driving your car with a parking brake on. It's just sort of like moving and things don't feel like they're moving exactly the right way and then it sort of begins to screech and smell funny. Maybe that's more applicable to the parking brake than it is to ministry, but you get the idea. It's sort of that false start. I don't know what your unexpected is. Maybe it's so it's not just the stuff that's going on out there that affects all of us. Maybe your unexpected is a little more personal this morning. Something that you feel that uh, only affects you. You're the only one going through it. It's a, a new sickness that you're worried about. A fear diagnosis that you're waiting to hear back on. The recent death or the looming death of a loved one, a relationship that's failing, a career that seems to be in jeopardy, fear or dread of the future and what's on the other side, seniors, college and high school seniors, of this upcoming graduation, what's next? And for many of us, what's, what's on the other side of the next few months or something like that? I, I don't know what your unexpected is and what your storm is, but what we do know is that God is with us in the unexpected He is someone you can go to. He is for us our refuge and our strength. The Lord of hosts is with us. 
many a commentary have pointed out that all the unique parallels from this psalm to the well-known story of Jesus when he is with his disciples in the boat. You can find this in Mark 4, Matthew 8, Luke 8. Remember, things were, in this moment, going great for God's people, uh, or at least for Jesus and his disciples. They, they had been with him, teaching in all the towns and villages, healing people, casting out demons. Crowds were growing. They were witnessing, the disciples were witnessing all these amazing things. And so then they got in this little boat ride to go across the Sea of Galilee. I'm sure they were happy, until they weren't, because what happened was a, a storm came. A big, very sudden storm as they're crossing the sea and the waves began to crash into the boat. Water began to dump into the boat and the disciples began losing their minds. And I would have too. And they were scared. And to whom did they turn to in their crisis? Well, they went to Jesus, of course. Jesus, who had been doing all of these things. He who had been healing and caring for them. And so they went to him. He was with them in the boat. But here's the thing. <clears throat> he wasn't doing what they expected him to do uh, in this moment. Just because he was with them, it didn't mean that he was doing what they wanted him to do. Because even though he was with them in this moment, he uh, was asleep. If you remember, he was in the stern, and I like Mark's little note that he gives in the Gospel of Mark that he was asleep on a cushion, very comfortable in the middle of the storm. And they ran to him, and they woke him up, and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Maybe you can identify with the disciples in that moment. You believe, theologically, that God is with you. But you wonder, what is he up to? Does, does he not know that we're perishing? Let's come back to Psalm 46, because what we see is that not only is God with us in the unexpected times, but he is also working in unexpected ways. We may wonder, is, you know, at times, is God silent in this storm, but Scripture reminds us that he is always at work, even if he's just out of camera view from our lives, or, or, or we don't quite know where to look, we're reminded, especially through verses 4 through 9, we're not going to be, named, be able to name all these things, but God is at work in the midst of his people. He's doing two primary things here through these verses that are sort of counterintuitive to us, unexpected things that he's doing. One, he's humbling the proud, and two, he's exalting the humble. He's humbling the proud. You see it in verse 6, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. In verse 8, he, see how he brings desolations on the earth. Verse 9, how he makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. God is bringing destruction on that which the world exalts. The kingdoms who are set against his people. He's bringing them low. And at the very same time, he is exalting those who are low. A couple of references to that. One is how he just keeps talking about his city in this passage, the city of God. Zion, or Jerusalem, is unimpressive on its own. God's people are typically unimpressive on their own, especially compared to these bigger kingdoms in this passage. Yet God brings the kingdoms down, and it's his city who will not be moved in verse 5. In verse 4, it says, The nations are made sad, but his people are made glad. 
through the river of life that flows through the city. And so you have the city of God being taken care of, and then you have this constant reference to the God of Jacob. What is that about? Who's Jacob? Uh, Jacob is the, the grandson of Abraham, who uh, the promises of God came to Abraham that I will make you a great nation. And then you go through a couple of generations and you come to this Jacob who had a very tumultuous life himself, a stormy existence. Uh, often things that he brought on himself and others things that were done to him. Yet through all of it, God never abandoned his promises made to his grandfather Abraham. Even through Jacob's life, through Jacob's line comes, of course, the Messiah. God is always at work in unexpected ways, ways that we would never expect. And now for us, we're told that God is our fortress, as he is the God of Jacob. God so often works in unexpected ways to bring about his purposes in this world and in our lives. He works in counterintuitive ways and often ways unseen by us. I think this is really helpful to remember in difficult days. You know how people often say things um, about this uh, quote-unquote season of COVID, right? Which we know it's already lasted four seasons. It's more than a season. But I recently heard a counselor say that if, if COVID were truly a season, that that season would be winter. And the reason why, this is from Pete Scazzaro, he, he says that it's in winter that things look dead. Things don't seem to have a lot of life. You don't see much green or growth. But what farmers know is that winter is vital for spring. What farmers know is that winter, in winter, underneath the surface, things are happening that you don't get to see until spring. As he said, we don't know what's happening in the season of COVID, but there is so much that God may be doing just below the surface. Something that we may not see. We see isolation, we see loneliness, we see even death and separation and sadness. We may feel distant from God. I've had so many conversations with students who have just felt spiritually dry this year and, and distant from God. But maybe what we're not seeing is the whole story. Wait until spring. Maybe actual spring, that would be great. But certainly spiritual spring when God allows us to see the fruit of the harvest that he's producing even now, just below the surface. This actually really gives me a lot of hope. Um, this gives me a lot to be excited about the future. What might God be growing beneath the surface right now? I want you to think about that for a minute. For a minute, in your own personal individual life, what might God be doing in you that will change your life forever? Because of what he's done in your life during this season in your family, in our families, and in our homes? What might God be working in us during this time that will change the rest of our relationships and our family? Think about it in the life of our church. What might God be doing here that will change things for all of us for a long time? And our desires to connect with one another as a result of our isolation, our desires to serve one another what might God be preparing just below the surface this winter that will soon yield a beautiful harvest in springtime? And I think this is true not just for these times. God is always at work. God is always at work in and through the unexpected moments that enter into our lives. He's working for his glory and for his people and for the advancement of his kingdom and for the good of his church, and he will forever 
be at work in these ways. There's so much we could say about the river of life reference in this psalm, but that, that reference comes up a lot through Scripture. And the last time it comes up is in the very last chapter of the Bible, when there is a river of life that flows out of the throne of God to His people forever. What God has started, He will complete. He never stops working. Our problem, my problem, I can't speak for you, my problem is that I don't always believe that He is at work for my good. Okay, so we can know it theologically, hypothetically, that God is at work, but when we don't really, really believe that He is at work for our good, what might we be tempted to do? We might be tempted to outwork Him, to go harder, become a workaholic, feel like you have to just keep going and provide for yourself because you're not sure that He can really do it. Or you uh, become, you know, overwhelmed with, uh, with resentment toward other people. Frustration in relationships that, that you feel like will never be resolved because you feel like you've got to be the one to just fix it and fix it and you don't trust Him to work in that relationship. Or we just try to make things happen for ourselves and we may, you know, pursue that through illegitimate means or unholy ways to make things happen for ourselves or we're tempted to despair and give up because we're just too tired and we become so anxious and overwhelmed because we're going at it alone. But we serve a God who can melt the earth with just a word. We can trust. We can trust that he was powerful enough and good enough to work out his promises in the lives of his people, which brings us back to Jesus in the boat. You know, what did the disciples do when they felt overwhelmed? They went to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He sprung to action. He stood up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and is completely calm. And if you remember, the disciples became more afraid at the end of the story than they were at the beginning. But this time their fear was redirected because they came to see just how powerful the one who calmed the storm really was. And so they ask, who is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? And sometimes we think that fear is the opposite of faith, and it's not always that. Misplaced fear may be, but rightly placed fear leads us not away from God, but toward him. Fear acknowledges, right fear, acknowledges that things are not right and I need help. I can't face this on my own. Fear tells us that we are weak and finite and limited. And we can cry out for help. This is why the psalmist can say that even though the earth gives way, we will not fear because He is our refuge and strength. He is our help. God can use our fear to lead us, to lead us right to Him, to the one who can face the storm on our behalf, to the one who has faced the storm on our behalf. Pastor Tim Keller writes in his great book, The King's Cross, on this passage of Jesus and his disciples in the boat. He says that what Jesus is showing his disciples in this moment is that not only is he calming this storm, but soon he will calm all storms with just a word. He will destroy destruction and even death itself, which he does ultimately through the storm of the cross. He takes on the ultimate storm on Himself 
when he takes on the cross. And Keller says, and that storm wasn't calmed until it swept him away. In other words, God is, the exalted one is becoming low. So that those of us who find ourselves low in him might be exalted. And Keller says, asks this great question. He says, if you know that God did not abandon you in that ultimate storm, what makes you think that he would abandon you in much smaller storms that you're experiencing right now? So how do we respond to this? If we believe that God is with us in unexpected times and we believe he's working in unexpected ways and we're not supposed to just sort of like try to fix it on our own, what are we supposed to do? Would you like a to-do list? I'll help you out. It's our third point. God invites us to do the unexpected. Um, There are actually only two commands in this psalm, two imperatives, and they're both right at the end. Uh, And if I'm honest, there are two uh, counterintuitive commands, two things that I don't care to do, but these are the two things God invites us to do. Behold and be still. Behold and be still. Verse 8 says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. God invites us to behold the many ways that he is at work in us and around us and even through us to see how he is at work in the world. But behold is God's version of check this out, right? It's God saying, watch this, be amazed at what I'm doing. How he is meeting our needs in Christ. How he is comforting us in our fears. How he is providing for us in our scarcity. How he is fighting for us in our doubts and struggles with sins. He is at work, working all things, all things to his glory. He makes wars cease. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. And it's not just true out there. It's true in here. He makes the war of sin cease. How? By breaking the bow and shattering the spear. By taking on the spear. When Jesus takes on our death, he makes war cease. We can behold his work not only in the hard moments, even as Steve encouraged us this morning, we can behold his work in the great moments too. We can be filled with joy to know how he makes glad the city of God, how he brings rivers of life. And Jesus uses that phrase later to say, and if you believe in me, you have the river of life in your heart. God makes us glad in Christ. He nurses us when we need it most. And by the way, he does this in community. And we know this, but we need each other desperately. Do you feel that this year? Um, and I'm talking to folks online as well. Our separation has created, I hope, in us a longing to not be separate, to find ways to just be together and have conversations. I will tell you personally, Clemson has never felt, uh, I guess, bigger. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I, Clemson's a small town, but I feel like I never see anybody anymore. I don't understand that. I want to see people. We need each other so desperately. We need to find ways to stay connected 
to be reminded of what we have in Jesus, to remind one another, to behold that he is at work. And the second thing he invites us to do is to be still. To be still. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 10 is one of these verses that we typically think was written uh, only to be Instagrammed. Sort of one of those perfect Instagrammable uh, verses where you can have like your cup of coffee, right? The steam coming up in your Bible. Open to Psalm 46 in your journal with a little bit of a filter where we can't exactly see what you've written, but we know that you've written something and then post, be still and know that I am God. And we think of it in the context of like, ugh, aren't things great? But remember the context of Psalm 46 is things are not great. So much crisis, so much upheaval. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Jesus invites us to be still in the middle of the chaos. Because it was during the storm and the waves crashing and his disciples fearing for their lives that Jesus said to the storm, be still. And it is during the storm and the waves crashing around us and maybe even us fearing for our lives that God invites you and me to do the same thing. To be still and know that He is God and we are not. And that's really good news because the God of Jacob is our fortress and He can care for us. This doesn't mean do nothing but it means trust that he is doing exactly what he wants to do. For his glory, he will be exalted among the nations and for the good of his people. I'll close with this illustration. A few weeks ago, uh, Matt Miller, when he was preaching, and I've really enjoyed learning from him uh, in the last few weeks, when he was preaching, he talked about looking through the rearview mirror in the car and through the windshield. I don't know if you remember that, but he was saying, reflect on God's faithfulness in the past and look forward to his faithfulness in the future. I want to build on that just for a minute. A few months ago, uh, I was driving um, my car with one of our daughters in the back seat, and I just sort of thought um, to ask this question. And I asked her, I was like, do you ever know where we are when we're driving around? Um, And she was honest, and she said, "Mm, not really. Uh, And then she said, until we get on our street, then I know then I know where we are, and I know we'll be home soon. I think that's fair enough. She can look out the window. She can see things are going on. She can kind of see a little bit of the road ahead, but she doesn't exactly know where we're going. She doesn't exactly have any control in the back seat of the car, but what she can see is her mom or her dad in the driver's seat. And typically, we know where we're going, we're not in total control, but we're in some decent control, and, and she can trust that we'll get her there, wherever there might need to be. How do we face the unexpected moments in our lives? Especially when we don't know what's coming next. We can look through the windshield, and we can see a little bit of the road ahead, and we can kind of see our surroundings, but we can look to our Father who knows exactly where he's going, 
who is in total control, who will get us there safely and securely. We can trust Him. We can trust that He is a good Father who knows exactly where we need to go. And while we're just riding along, going along on the journey, what we can do is behold and be still. Would you pray with me? God, would you invite us and would we receive your invitation to find rest in your sovereign control? To find hope in the one who calms the storms? To find refuge? Jesus, I pray that um, no matter where we're coming from, that we, we would find you coming for us. And Jesus, if, if there's some who don't yet know you, that feel like they've been trying to be their own refuge, trying to be their own fortress and make their own way, I pray if they feel so exhausted by that, that you would be for them a refuge. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.